Hey, everybody. Uh, before we start this week's show, I just want to let you know that this is the live taping of the Savage Lovecast at Seattle's Neptune Theater on December 5th. It was our big Christmas show. Uh, there are some elements of the show that were really visual and that we're not going to include in the uh, podcast this week, so it would just frustrate and annoy you. Uh, but there are a couple of things that uh, we are including that you will need to see the pictures for. So we've posted the pictures, a few things in this podcast that you want to see the images at thestranger.com slash lovecast Christmas pics. We also tossed up some extra pics, just uh, fun pics from the show we think you'll enjoy. So enjoy this week's show and happy holidays and Merry Christmas and go to thestranger.com slash lovecast Christmas pics to see them. You're listening to the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. So this is Christmas. Almost. This is very nearly Christmas. The tree and the holly and the family are all closing in on us. But first, we're gathered here tonight to answer this question. Is Christmas sexy? This is the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage, your host. And this week's show was recorded before a live audience in Seattle, Washington at the historic Neptune Theater. Rachel Lark is back with us tonight. She is going to premiere some new Christmas songs. Comedian Derek Sheen is here. Adult baby Jesus will be out in a moment. And we've got sex advice, too, because sex advice is what we do. We've got all that and more. But first, that question, is Christmas sexy? We could drag it out for the next two hours. We could bring people up here to make the Christmas is sexy case. But we already know the fucking answer. So let's cut the crap. Let's cut the fruitcake and answer the question right here at the top of the show. Christmas is not sexy. It is not sexy. Not at all. It is the least sexiest time of the year. Fucking Arbor Day is sexier than Christmas. And here's the problem with trying to sex up Christmas. We are celebrating the birth of a baby. All right, we will pause here to acknowledge that early Christians pinched Saturnalia from the Romans, but our modern Christmases, even your secular modern Christmases, are kind of about the birth of a baby. Okay, somebody loses her virginity on Christmas. Yes, but in the worst possible way, a seven-pound baby headbutts its way through the hymen. And there is nothing sexy about that. And there's nothing sexy about babies. Anyone who thinks that babies are sexy shoots right to the top of Santa's naughty list. Adults are sexy. Sexy adults are particularly sexy. But the single quickest way to turn a sexy adult into something not sexy... Dress that adult up like a baby. Well, hello there, adult baby Jesus, and happy birthday. 
Full disclosure, uh, while we were doing research about the unsexiness of Christmas, we discovered that Christmas used to be sexy. For centuries, for millennia, Christmas was a bacchanal. It was a big, sexy, subversive party. Christmas was so much fun, in fact, that banning Christmas was the first order of business for the Christian radicals who seized power in England in the middle of the 17th century, before the English Puritans could behead the king, before they could pull down Shakespeare's theater. They banned Christmas because it was just too much sexy, dirty fun. Christmas bounced back after the Puritans were chased out of England two decades later. The Puritans would come to America, rebrand themselves as pilgrims, and their spiritual descendants just won the midterm elections. (laughs) And as soon as the Puritans fell in England, the Bacchanal was back on. Sexy Christmas was back. But Sexy Christmas sickened in uh, 1826 when Queen Victoria ascended the throne, and Sexy Christmas died forever after Charles Dickens, Clement Moore, and Linus Van Pelt conspired to murder it. (laughs) Christmas has been unsexy for so long, almost two centuries now, that there is no bringing Sexy Christmas back. But that doesn't stop some people from trying. Rachel Lark is a singer-songwriter from San Francisco, where she is known as the troubadour of the sex-positive revolution. She performs regularly at Body Storytelling and at the Kinky Salon. I first heard her sing at Body, where people share true-life stories of their sexual adventures, and I was immediately just in love, just so won over by her fearless, explicit, and hilarious songs. This is Rachel's first Christmas show, and she is here to perform songs from her first Christmas album, Hung for the Holidays, which includes a song that I asked Rachel to write just for us, just for all of you tonight, called Christmas Isn't Sexy. Please welcome back to the Savage Lovecast, Rachel Lark. Rachel Lark. 
Hey, it's Dan. I'm just going to break in here with a quick programming note. Um, it occurred to me when the show started that it might be fun with some of the questions that the audience had submitted to throw them at a family therapist or a counselor, a relationship counselor. And so we found one in the audience. We dragged him up on stage and we threw him into the deep end of the pool. We hadn't prepared him in advance and he was really a good sport and very game, but that's what's happening here during this segment. There's somebody who didn't expect to be in the show is suddenly in the show. We would like to welcome to the stage Dr. Bill O'Connell, a nationally certified counselor and licensed mental health counselor who's going to help me answer some questions about family for the holidays. So, uh, thanks for agreeing to be a guest on the Savage Lovecast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. So, how long have you been a licensed mental health counselor? Well, I've been working, actually, since 1987. And uh, primarily, though, in Ohio. Oh, wow. That's some fucked up shit in Ohio. (laughs) You must have seen some ugly goddamn stuff in Ohio. Ice storm crap. And it's southwest Ohio. Even worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So uh, I have some questions from the audience who returned in earlier that were sort of touching on family issues. So we wanted a family therapist or counselor, and we we found you in the crowd, and here you are. I was found upstairs, actually. So uh, what do you think is the best thing to do when your best friend starts to fuck your (laughs) ex-husband? I'm just going to sip my vodka and let you answer. So could you repeat the question? (laughs) No. (laughs) What do you think the best thing to do is when your best friend starts to fuck your ex-husband? Okay. And you're asking, I'm going to answer this, huh? Yep. So uh, I guess I would start with, um, you know, tell me what that's like for you. Um, Unfortunately, the conceit of my genre of, like, advice and counseling is you don't get to have a back and forth. You get one shot. Okay. So you don't get to so say... this is advice. You just tell them what to... She wants to know what to do. you prescriptive as hell. Not drawing okay. it out of her, what she might want to do. What you think this bitch should do. Okay. And I say bitch in the empowered sense. So I'm a bitch. Okay. Being a bitch is important. Yes. So what should this bitch do? Well, um... Harder I, than it looks, this, like, advice column, huh? <laughs> you can't stall for time when you're doing an advice show. You gotta, like, produce. You know, that's why I like reading your stuff, because you're very direct and to the point, and I'm always very laid back and chill and listen. And this is a very different, you know, thing. Okay, well, you know what I would tell her to do? Mm-hmm. Send her a thank you note for waiting until he was your ex. Okay. <laughs> Just... Just to break the ice. Just, you know, it's awkward. This is fucking awkward. Yes. And maybe you're a little hurt and angry, but, you know, what you, we have friends in our lives for is usually their sense of humor mm-hmm. and some sense of continuity and camaraderie mm-hmm. and your shared history. And now yeah. fucking your ex-husband's part of your shared history. Uh, Acknowledge it in an amusing way and hope to save the friendship, but of course not the marriage. But, but you know, it's gonna, you're saying that it's the ex, right? So it's going to depend on whether or not the person really cares. About uh, the ex? 
Yeah. Well, straight people are, I assume you're a straight person. Straight people are so fucking weird about that. <laughs> like, uh -huh. you're not allowed to fuck somebody that your friend dated 20 years ago. Uh -huh. And gay people aren't like that. There's so few of us. We can't be so precious <laughs> about, oh, I fucked that person 30 years ago, so you, my friend, cannot touch that person. Uh -huh. We're like, yeah, well, go for it. Like, yeah. we're a precious, scarce resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I would, I, I would advise that she have a direct conversation with her friend if she wants to maintain a friendship. And um, depend, I, it depends on how she feels about it. If she's angry, let her know. Otherwise, just let it go. Let it go. Disney yeah. has an answer for everything. <laughs> when I got married, I was astonished to discover that lurking in my subconscious has been the virgin horror dichotomy. I no longer relish being the whore. I miss my inner whore. How do I get her back? Take it away. So the, the inner whore, is it the subconscious? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, you know the, the, the virgin whore dichotomy, the virgin whore okay. complex, okay. that good people are virgins, bad people are whores. She, before she got married, she could enjoy sex and being a whore. There's nothing whorish about enjoying sex. And there's nothing wrong with being a whore. But she could, like, indulge herself in this sensuous side of herself and just lose herself in sex unselfconsciously. But now that she sees herself as a married lady, she can't lose herself in sex as effortlessly or at all because married women aren't supposed to enjoy sex. Married women are good. They're virgins, but they're married. Go figure. And unmarried women are sluts in the sex-positive sense of the term. You know, Dan, I've been counseling people literally for 25 years. 27 years, and no one has ever asked me how they're going to get their inner horror back. I don't know. <laughs> so i got to think about this for, for a minute. Yeah. So you want to phone a friend? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a working mom. At the end of the day, I am tired of delivering for others. I've come to view sex as one more delivery. How can I get out of this? How do I break out of this? I want to get back to taking pleasure in sex. Okay, so this is someone who is um, exhausted. Been, yeah, okay, yeah, and and someone who's really been letting pleasing others mm -hmm. and not allowing pleasure to come to themselves. Right. This does need to be addressed pretty immediately because it would be important for that person to uh, really gain a sense of um, who I am when I'm with another person and um, ask for that. Ask for what they want. Asking for what you want is always so important, and so many people have a problem with that. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. I, I always say, say, I don't know, vodka. <laughs> I find myself saying to people, as often as I say anything else in the podcast, here's an idea, use your words. <laughs> that you might get what you want if you said it aloud, if you articulated, if you asked, if you insisted on it, mm -hmm. if you laid it out, especially if I'm a dude with a dude, especially if you are with a dude. Dudes are dumb. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the dumb is genuine and sometimes the dumb is strategic where they pretend to be dumb. Mm -hmm. But you got to tell a dude what you want. And most dudes will, like, make, come out, you know, they'll make good. They'll, they'll do it mm -hmm. if you tell them. But if you don't tell them, dudes are dumb and lazy. Yeah. They won't do it. Yeah. Too many assumptions. Yeah, there's a lot of assumptions that go on. The biggest source of a problem in a relationship. And one thing I think that one piece of advice I frequently give to couples, working mom, working dad, 
is early in the relationship what makes sex exciting are the challenges that you don't really know each other well, it can be hard to find a place and a time, there are hurdles you have to clear. It feels risky and dangerous, really discovering this new person mm -hmm. and taking a chance and taking a risk. Well, you can't rediscover this person you've known for 20 years and had kids with, or 15 years and had kids with, or 10 years or five years and had a kid with. Um, so you have to create new risks and new challenges that are outside of the relationship. Like saying to each other, we're gonna have sex five times this week or three times this week or once this week, but not in our house, not in our bed, and you're in charge of figuring out when and where, surprise me. Mm -hmm. And then your husband will jump out of you in the grocery store naked with an erection. <laughs> or you'll walk into your office and your husband will be lying there with a Santa figurine cradling his dick. <laughs> you know, Dan would be a great, you'd be a great co-therapist. I would like be. Have you, yeah. you bring me in for comic relief at the end of the session. Here's what I think. He won't tell you what to do because therapists are not prescriptive, right? Correct. You, you right. try to draw it out of people what they want to exactly. do. Exactly. And I'm always right. telling people, do this. <laughs> Which is why I'd be a terrible therapist. Oh, well, you know, sometimes it's needed though, yeah. My husband and I seem to have lost our spark. We were keeping sex a special moment to share until our wedding. And the first couple of months after that were amazing. We have a dugger in the house. The first couple of months were amazing, but it has just fizzled after that. I feel partly to blame. How do we get our spark back? Well, I think the positive thing is, is they had some fun for the first two months, right? <laughs> so they started off on a, a good note. And um, so I, I feel hopeful for this couple, actually that they can recapture that. Because the first magic. time they did it, they didn't discover that they were sexually incompatible or chemically not a match. Nobody smelled bad. I mean, that's one of the... There's research around smell and attraction, right? Absolutely. So That people yeah. click into each other's pheromones or scents, and some mm -hmm. people are repelled by... And you don't want to wait till your wedding night to fuck Duggar style, oh, only no. then to discover you can't stand the taste of this person's spit. Oh, no. You're going to drink no. a lot of spit over the course yeah. of the 50-year marriage. Yeah. And you want, mm -hmm. to, you want to make sure you like how that spit tastes. Right? Mm -hmm. That sounds good to me. <laughs> so how do you get that spark back? I think you think... You, the, the mistake that people make who save it for their wedding night is it all by itself on your wedding night with that kind of buildup is exciting. And then when that buildup is gone, if that's all you had to make it exciting was that denial and that wait, well, you're not waiting anymore and you're not denied anything anymore. And then the excitement is gone because you attached all your conception of excitement to that moment. And that moment passed. Fake hymens. You can, I, I'm a big advocate of fake hymens. You can pack your orify. His, put fake hymen in his ass and take his virginity. <laughs> but you have to look inside and figure out what you think is fun and exciting that isn't just about denial and waiting for Jesus or whoever else you were waiting for while you were saving it. Um, and stop being a dugger. And let this be a lesson to other people out there who are thinking of duggering it. Fuck first, ladies and gentlemen. Don't wait. Will you take one more question on the hot seat? Uh, yeah, absolutely. In the past, I have had boyfriends who were horrible gift givers, Christmases, anniversaries, birthdays. Is there an indicator of a good mate by how much thought and time they put into gift giving? Or is how much thought and time a person puts into gift giving a good indication of what kind of a mate they will be? 
Hmm. No. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You, you first. <laughs> well, let's see. It depends on what the person values more, right? Do I really want a great, exciting, romantic, intense sexual relationship with someone? Or do I want fabulous gifts at the holidays? And so I have, people have to weigh their values. I'd ask them to do some value exploration around that. I'm a terrible gift giver. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm a good husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so I'm on the side of your husband. Like, some of us are just not into shopping and buying things and are bad at it. Tell him what to buy you, and I promise you, he will go buy it. <laughs> but expecting someone who isn't into buying shit and doesn't think in that way to just intuitively know the right magic gift to get for you, you will be sad all your life. <laughs> if, that is, you know, if that is what you need to be happy or satisfied in this relationship, I would trade... <laughs> gives me great gifts for sucks cock like crazy. <laughs> Suck my lungs out through my dick. I would always... So if he eats your pussy like crazy, if he is trying to shove his head back up your vaginal canal like he's unbirthing himself, <laughs> you could think of that as a gift. <laughs> and value that. Do you, have, do, you so, have a, do you find in your... In I your... probably wouldn't put those words out there. <laughs> but I like the idea of, like, writing those things down. Um, and they could share that. I don't need to see it, though. Do you often in your practice find, when you speak with couples, having to say, you can't get everything you want in one person? That there's good and bad, you have to take both. Maybe he's a shitty gift giver, but he's a great... Ass eater, pussy licker. He's good with, he cleans the house, he does these other things. Like, can we look at the, the focus that people have constantly on what they're not getting in their relationship blinds them to what they are getting in their relationships. Mm-hmm. And you take for granted what you are getting, and then all your focus goes to what you're not. And it's destructive. I would just love for you to sit in the office with some of my clients and just say all that. I'd just like to watch the look on their face. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Bill Connor, nationally certified counselor and licensed mental health therapist. This is Nancy Hartooni and everybody. She is the producer of the Savage Love Cast. And she is Jewish. Okay, Nancy, you don't come on the show very often, but you pull all the levers behind the scenes. You secretly control the Savage Love cast and the World Bank, too, for all I know. But that's not what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about Hanukkah. Um, But first, would you grab that box under the tree for me? And then come have a seat and tell us what that is. Well, Dan, it's a tuggy. That's the fuzzy sock that warms your cock. It's a Christmas sock that warms your cock. It's like a snuggie for your dick. And they sell these at Christmas time, and it's sort of like this another desperate effort to sex up Christmas, to make Christmas sexy. Because on Christmas morning, what you want is your husband or boyfriend to present you cock in Christmas sock. And, go ahead, you have thoughts. It just seems like you'd need a 
urologist. It looks really pretty bad. <laughs> but here, here's what I want to know. There is no sexy Hanukkah stuff out there. That doesn't happen. And I looked. I tried to find some sexy Hanukkah shit to give you a sexy Hanukkah present tonight at the Christmas show to be very multi-culty about this whole thing. And there isn't any. And I wanted to ask you, how come? You don't have sex. <laughs> you, sir, are so wrong. Someone in the audience shouted, Jews don't have sex. I know that's not true. It's not true. No, man, Jews, Jews are down with sex. It's the Christians that are so uptight about it. So you think that that Snuggie and perhaps this Christmas dildo, the icicle, which you really can't fully appreciate because it's see-through. I have to hold up a piece of paper. It's like a candy-striped glass, glass dildo. And there's no Hanukkah this. There's no Hanukkah dildo. How come? And do you feel deprived? I do not feel deprived. Um, yeah, I, I really think that it's true that Jews just don't have a problem with sex like Christians do. Like, you know, like, there's this marriage contract. If you get married at a Jewish wedding, there's this thing that you have to sign called the ketubah. <laughs> and uh, it stipulates, God said that the husband must give his wife orgasms. It's in there. How, how can you make that a tenet of your religion and make it so hard to convert into your religion? You gotta work for it. Because it's really hard to become a Jew. But what about, that's like a recruiting tool, right? That should be on fucking billboards. <laughs> become a Jew, your husband's obligated to give you orgasms, God says. Please become a Christian. Please, you get to not have any sex ever. Now, it seems to me that there are, like, Jewish things around Hanukkah that would be easily appropriated. This is basically a butt plug that Jewish parents give their children to play with during Hanukkah. You found out our terrible secret. It's a dreidel, and if you've ever seen a dreidel, it's a, it's a top. It's a top, which is also already kind of sexy. It's a top, and you spin it, and there's Jewish letters on it, and it all means something that I don't understand. Is that the present that you're giving me for Hanukkah? No, I'm not. This is not my present, not like a cheap uh, dreidel from the Walgreens. But <laughs> add a flared base, and you have a, a Jewish Hanukkah sexed-up butt plug. But it's never occurred to anyone who's Jewish to add the flared base to the dreidel, because it's not out there, and I fucking looked. Yeah, yeah. We just don't do the, like, the sexy holiday thing like you guys do. Why? I, I, there just isn't that tension there. There you are know, most, no you know, Jews... Wait, I've seen a lot of Woody Allen movies from the 60s and 70s, and you're telling me there are no Jews who are messed up in the head about sex? True, true that, true that. Individual results may vary, but less likely to be messed up in the head about sex? Yeah, I don't, yeah it's just that there, also there aren't any characters. Well, Maccabees, that could be pretty sexy. There's a whole army that you could... No, we just don't do it. Most of us are just, like, sort of waiting for the Christmas storm to blow over. You're all hunkered down, waiting for the... It'll end soon. Does it traumatize you, this, like, Christmas shit every it's year? It's a little tedious, yeah. It it's is. tedious for us, too. You think we don't notice that, like, they've got the Christmas trees outside the QFC in mid-November? Like, bothers me. It must drive you around the bend. If I were religious, I would really, really hate Christmas with what we've done with it. Don't you lecture us about our Christmas. 
I don't tell you how to make your potato latkes. Don't tell me how to make I my... I make a damn good latke, too. But we've been working together for a long time. Uh, we've been doing the podcast together since day one. There wouldn't be a podcast without Nancy Hartunian, the producer of the podcast. In all these years we've worked together, I've never given you a present, but I want to give you a present tonight. I'm going to give you a sexed-up Hanukkah thing. This thing that doesn't exist... I had to make it, and I'm going to give it to you. It's my gift. If anybody could do that, Dan, you could do that. It's going to take a second to set up, so you need to blindfold yourself so as not to ruin the surprise. Oh, shit. There we go. Are we ready? Okay, Nancy, you can take off your blindfold. Okay. Ta-da! And here's what Nancy saw, and here's what you can see if you go to thestranger.com slash lovecastchristmaspics. Uh, we had five dancers out on stage, uh, each all of them holding candles, and they were assembled into one great big human menorah. It is quite a sight. It's worth going to check out the pics if you haven't already. You've heard of the human centipede. We give you the human menorah. Well done. Derek Sheen is a Seattle-based comedian. He's toured with Janine Garofalo and Patton Oswalt, among others. And he's the host of Laugh Riot, Seattle's best and only alt comedy showcase. Please welcome Derek Sheen to the Lovecast. Ah. I have, and just a side note, I have come up after a lot of weird shit in my career. One time I came up after a magician who openly wept on stage. One time I went up after a ventriloquist who admitted to a federal crime, but the coolest thing I've ever come up after is a fucking human menorah. That is, that goes in my diary. Um, very stoked to be here tonight. I'm glad to be home. Last, last, uh, last Christmas I spent in the middle of the country doing stand-up comedy. Guess what they don't need in the middle of the country? Fucking stand-up comedy. What they need are buses to get everybody out of the fucking middle of the country. How is that a real place that people still go? I swear, we, this is just me, but we, I think we're 22 states too heavy. I, I think we could close off everything between Utah and Georgia from Texas to fucking the Canadian border just turn it into a prison. We don't need that part of the country. Fuck the first fucking dusty internet free dead zone of people who are like, I like the Bible. And you're like, well, you're reading it upside down. And they're like, it's a different book now. <laughs> what I'm saying is we don't need a belt made of Bibles we're doing fine with the suspenders made out of PhDs, okay? So, before I get into Christmas, I saw, when I was in, when I was in Omaha last year, I saw the most American thing I'd ever seen in my life. Now, previous record of the most American thing I'd ever seen was in New York City a few months prior to that. It was the most perfect metaphor for America. It was a Sikh teenager in a Hello Kitty t-shirt who prepared my black bean and chicken quesadilla 
in an Irish pub in Little Italy. That's the most American thing I'd ever seen. And Omaha trumped it because what I saw at a shopping mall was the morbidly obese man coming down an escalator, hollering at people going on the up escalator. Has anybody seen the Chris Nose? And someone turned around and went, hey, man, you walked right by it. It's at the top of the escalator. And as he's going down, he looks up and sees the fucking Quiznos, puts his chin in his chest and says out loud for no one else to hear, oh, man, looks like I'm not getting Quiznos now. That's the most American thing I've ever seen. We fucking cracked the code, America. We made a person so hungry, yet so lazy, they won't turn 90 degrees at the bottom of fucking wizard stairs to be carried without effort to sustenance. We did it! The Midwest is the only place that I've been told to go fuck myself for saying happy holidays. I got it at home finally. I said happy, here's how I said, happy holiday, season's greetings. Hey, fuck you. That literally happened and I was so taken aback and I was like, what are you angry about? It's, don't you fucking sacrilege this holiday. This is Jesus's birthday, our savior, and don't you fucking pinko liberal it up with your goddamn happy holidays. I was fucking, I was like, hold on a second, let's, Let's take it down a notch, okay? We're both wearing pants, so we're already breaking some Bible rules, okay? Unless you're coming at me in a fucking tunic because you've been smelting swords in your backyard all day for the coming holy war you're trying to start on Twitter. Let's go ahead and turn it down just a little bit, okay? Because you're assuming I haven't read the Bible or was raised Christian. And guess what? I did. Read the Bible cover to cover. Super Jewy book. Not one mention of fucking Christmas in that entire book. All right? <laughs> Gentiles had to make up a goddamn holiday because all the Gentile kids were like, well, the Jewish kids get presents. Why don't we get presents? And like, well, the fucking book already went to the printer. What do you want me to do? <laughs> And let me admit something right away. If I had to read, if I had to read a testament, I'm going to go with the New Testament. I'm not reading the fucking Old Testament. If you're a Christian, you got to pick a testament, okay? You don't get both testaments, all right? One of them cancels out the other one completely. They operate in two different universes. One is DC, one's Marvel. You gotta pick a fucking universe. If you're not aware, if you're not aware of the differences, here's the Old Testament. Here's just some highlights. Fire, monsters, torture. How about this one? How about the Nephilim? Not a lot of people are hip to this. The angels of heaven descended upon earth and mated with the human women and made half-angel hybrids. And then God went, you five people look like moderate voters. Do me a favor. Can you build a floating ship and just fill it with edible animals? Because I'm going to flood this whole fucking place. I have made some serious mistakes. There are half-angels running around. 
I'm gonna fucking annihilate everything. The New Testament is like a gentle hippie craftsman and his 12 homeless friends who just wander around the desert making tapas for people. How is that not cool? What do you got? A, got a fish and a loaf of bread? I got this, small plates. I just invented happy hour. You're welcome, I'm Jesus. Jesus. What I'm saying is that there's no part in the New Testament where Christ is on the cross and he's like, hey, take my message of peace and faith and hope and love and charity and kindness and forgiveness and tenderness and brotherhood and unconditionality. Take that message to the masses and don't let my martyr death be in vain. But more importantly, please remember to celebrate my birthday two months early so we can fuck with Hanukkah for no reason whatsoever. John, Paul, George, Ringo, I forget everybody's names. We're a name tag. I'm fucking stuck to a cross, all right? I have bigger fish to fry. Write this down, all right? They'll do it if you write it down. I don't know why. And this might be the pain talking, all right? I'm nailed to a fucking cross. Ironically, as a carpenter, I would have used a series of smaller nails, not just one big nail. I'm literally a weight-bearing structure. I'm a human weight-bearing structure. Four in the wrist, five or six up the arm to hold me up so I could breathe. But eh, this doesn't matter right now. I'm splitting hairs. Um, do me a favor. Tell everybody they have to put a tree in their house. Every No, Peter, not eucalyptus. I don't even know what kind. You know what? Tell them it's not even indigenous to this continent. Tell them they'll know the tree when they smell it. It will smell like my birthday. And if you can't do any of those things, do this one thing for me every year. When you celebrate this holiday, keep me the fuck out of it. Don't mention me at all. Keep me out of it. Don't mention my name at all. Tell your children... If, if they behave themselves, a mystical, diabetic, obese Swede will cram himself down the chimney every year and bring them presents made by Chinese slave labor. None of that's in the fucking Bible. Nowhere were Christ's last words, the inflatable snow globe on the lawn. So take it down a notch, okay, Midwest? Your war on Christmas is ridiculous. And I understand when I, when I fucking go to the Southeast or the Midwest and I start talking about that, Christian buttholes get so tight. They just tense up. It sounds like you're squeezing air out of a balloon, like a wet balloon knot. And, and I get it. They believe everything and they don't understand that, like, as, as someone who's an atheist, I think I wrote the most 
pro-Jesus Christmas joke ever, okay? That's pretty pro-Jesus. And it pisses a lot of people off because they're like, well, I already bought these presents at Walmart. And I'm like, you're doing it wrong. You did it wrong. But I understand the tightening of buttholes. And... <laughs> just going to let that laugh sit for a second. Just lilt like a feather. It just glides to the ground gently. The bowling ball's already reached. The feather hasn't hit yet. When, when I was doing this bit recently, I noticed a guy in the front row of the club who was getting very tense. And I get it. When you get, like, when you're in a room full of, like, people who go to church often, they get fucking intensely, like, we all do it with our, whatever we believe in, right? We're just like, I'm going to fucking tense up. Somebody's going to sacrilege or say something against the thing I believe in. I got to get ready to fucking defend it. I'm ready. But when you get to the end of that bit, we can all agree that's a pretty pro-Jesus bit. So it's not really sacrilegious at all. In fact, it's very pro-Christmas. And this guy was so fucking mad. And I could tell his neck. But he laughed at the end of the bit. And that pissed him off. Because he was so ready to fucking let me have it. And the tension had to come out somewhere. And so he just yelled something in a room full of strangers he'd never met. And here's what he yelled in a comedy club at me. Hey, why do you make a joke about the Koran? No. As a satirist, you have to understand that I do respect the things I make fun of, but I make fun of them because you believe them too fully, and so I like to take the wind out of your sails. Also, I do respect the fact that every holy book, when used properly, uh, can hopefully inspire people to be better and evolve spiritually and emotionally as people. Also... Their radical fundamentalists are real fucking proactive people, all right? Real goddamn busybody doers, not sayers, okay? So until Christians start dragging comedians out in the streets and setting them on fire, I'm going to make fun of fucking Christians because you're lazy. Happy holidays. Thank you very much. Derek Sheen. We're going to bring back Rachel Lark to perform a few more songs from her new album, Hung for the Holidays. Please welcome back Rachel Lark. On the first fight of Christmas, my true love looked at me passive-aggressively. On the second fight of Christmas, my true love gave to me Five cards to sign and a shopping list for our party. On the third fight of Christmas, my true love said to me, You haven't signed the cards, you bought the wrong nutmeg, I can't trust you with anything. <laughs> On the fourth fight of Christmas, my true love said to me, Let's not fight anymore. I said, Yeah, that sounds great. I hate it when we fight, but I don't think I've done anything wrong. 
On the fifth fight of Christmas, my true love said to me, I want a divorce. I said, look, you've scared the kids. That's not cool. You do this every year. It's manipulative and it's cruel. On the sixth fight of Christmas, my true love said to me, I'm rethinking when I said that I want a divorce. I said, what else is new? You're indecisive, but no takesies, backsies. I'm calling your bluff this time. (laughs) On the seventh fight of Christmas, my true love said to me, Stop packing your bags, you're being dramatic. No, I want a divorce. I said, I'm not your punching bag. You take me for granted and I won't stand for it. It's this or it's therapy. (laughs) On the eighth fight of Christmas, my daughter said to me, your new apartment blows. Where are your ornaments? Why did you say to mom, I want a divorce? I hate my new room. And so is our TV And you don't even have a tree It's going there Sorry (laughs) On the ninth fight of Christmas My true love said to me You can't come for Christmas I would drop the kids off But they say your house smells weird And haven't they been through enough already Since we got a divorce I said fine have it your way Anyway I'm Jewish I'll light a menorah on my own For the holidays On the tenth fight of Christmas My mistress said to me Stop calling me your mistress It's been over a year Now things are different And I want a baby Don't use your wife as some kind of excuse Cause you got a divorce Are you in or out? Be real with me I won't waste my life If you love me Introduce me to your kids On the 11th fight of Christmas, my new love said to me, I think we should have a party with all my friends. You could finally meet them. Gosh, I can't believe the size of this diamond. Golly, I'm so glad that you got a divorce. Why are you looking at me like that? Come on, don't be lame. A party would cheer you up. On the 12th fight of Christmas, my ex-wife said to me, Hey, what the fuck? I thought I'd bring the kids by because for some reason I thought you'd need cheering up, but clearly you've moved on. Didn't mean to interrupt such a nice party. I guess we'll be going. Look, I said don't go yet. I can't explain. Oh, hi, said my new love. You must be Jackie. Go inside. I yelled, Daddy, who's that? Christ, I yelled, this just really isn't fair. You can't barge in like this and demand explanations because we got a divorce. slammed the door. Oh, it's no big deal. She said passive aggressively. Um, there's been a few mentions of atheists here tonight. Give it up, give it up. Um, some people think that atheists don't celebrate anything, but that's not true. Atheists celebrate all kinds of shit. Um, I celebrate getting fucked up and being a person. (laughs) 
So this song is about my special holiday time, and it's called Acid and Hot Springs. Some people praise God, go to church and shit. Me, I don't believe a word of it. They look to their book for morality. All I got is my love of humanity. Plus my acid and hot springs. It's all I need, acid and hot springs. Oh yeah, acid and hot springs. Some go to a church, some to a mosque. Some people go to a synagogue. Me, I like to take the weekend off. Get into nature with the trees and rocks and eat some acid and hot springs. It's all I need, acid and hot springs. Oh yeah, acid and hot springs. Some people will judge and say I'm going to hell, but if there's thermal pools below, I'll be just swell. I never ever talk to a higher power, but I have been really high in an ice cold shower. It's nice. So live and let live and go do your thing. I'm expanding my mind and letting freedom ring. Just cause you could be jailed for it, don't make it illegitimate. This is how I celebrate the mystery of the human race. Oh, you haters gonna hate, but I still got my acid and hot springs. psychedelics to a holy day but to me it's not weird it's not even deep to relax alone in nature with some lsd you see no one really gets it so we fill our lives full of history and pretty things and ritual and of all the things i've done and all the things i've tried nothing's ever left me feeling quite as satisfied as dosing acid and hot springs it's all i need acid and hot springs it's not that deep acid and hot springs Aww. I, this whole album kind of came about because um, uh, Dan invited me to do this show uh, I was like all right this is as good a reason as any to turn this really possibly horrible idea of making a Christmas album into a reality. And so, you know, I, I took acid and wrote a bunch of crazy shit. But I really struggled with the song that Dan really wanted me to write, which was Christmas Isn't Sexy. He wanted me to write a song for this show. And I really puzzled because I would listen to the love cast and hear Dan not like flinch at the idea of someone being really into peeing in someone else's mouth. That's sexy, okay. You know, that's that can be sexy. But Christmas is not sexy. It's like we're going through a lot of trouble to show that Christmas isn't sexy. And I was trying to figure it out, like, why? Why is this the big thing that's not sexy of all the weird shit that he must have come across? Why is this the thing? And I realized it's because Dan really loves Christmas, you guys. He really, really, really loves it. And 
He's surrounded by pervy shit all the time, and it's just the one holiday he just wants a fucking break from that. Okay, enough. It's family time. So I wrote this song, and I did my best to try to capture that simultaneous love-hate relationship that Dan seems to have with Christmas. So here it is. It's called There's Nothing Sexy About Christmas. Christmas bells are ringing, stores are having sales. This time of year is always such a joy. Families get together and Santa never fails to put a smile on the face of every girl and boy. But my love, I need you to know just because this is my favorite holiday. Doesn't mean I like it when you buy me Santa's little helper lingerie. Well, there's nothing sexy about Christmas. Santa fantasies up there in the chimney, please. Hey, there's nothing sexy about Christmas. Whoa, I don't mean to yuck your yum, but take that tinsel off your bum. This holiday is nothing but wholesome. So why you gotta turn it into Folsom? I'll leave my Christmas alone. I'm a kinky lady. You're a kinky guy. And I'm down for almost everything you try. But everyone thinks that everything you like should be part of every part of your life. Remember how I explained just because I have a cat doesn't mean I like cat stuff. So I assume that because I like spanking, I'd be into wearing jingle bell handcuffs. Well, there's nothing sexy about Christmas. GGG, but get these snowballs off of me. Hey, there's nothing sexy about Christmas. Whoa, it's my favorite time of year, but let's make one thing crystal clear. This holiday's about a virgin. It's far too easy a perversion, so leave my Christmas Christmas. Whoa, now that it's 
it's all said and done. I'm no longer stressed. Let's have some fun. Hey, there's something sexy about Christmas. Whoa, while we're cleaning up tonight, won't you tie me in those Christmas lights? When holiday plans are haunting, being sexy is far too daunting. So if you really want me in that elf outfit, wait till December 26th. Just leave my Christmas Music is also available as a pay-what-you-want purchase at rachellark.bandcamp.com. All right. We're going to take a few questions, more audience questions. It'll be the last thing we do tonight before we send you guys home for the holidays. And Rachel Lark and uh, Derek Sheen are going to uh, be my co-advisors for the rest of the night. Here we go. What is the proper etiquette at most fetish-slash-sex clubs? Can you go and simply observe and not participate actively? So can you, Jane, good all that shit? Are you allowed to do that in a sex club? Totally depends, actually. Each, each, I mean, in the parties I've been to, there's usually a really well-laid-out code at the beginning, and sometimes lurking is discouraged, and sometimes observation is encouraged. It just depends. It's really good to find out. Because for voyeurs, observation is participation. That's true. And a lot of, if you're talking about a fetish club, I think it's different than like a swinging club. Because sometimes fetish people don't want to feel like they're kinky monkeys at the zoo and so they don't want people around who aren't participating. But a lot of swing clubs, they encourage people to come observe the first few times to get comfortable with the idea. Totally. And some people are into going to clubs for the exhibition and some people just want an orgy and accept the exhibition as the price of admission. So, Derek, the sex clubs you've been to in the Midwest? Uh, normally, when I've done stand-up in a sex club, um, they typically put you by the buffet, and they want you to keep your conversation uh, to yourself, and most of the jokes are just for people who are going for cold appetizers, and... Uh, I have found that, like, in sex clubs, or uh, I, uh, myself, from my own experience, um, it's probably not good to just creepily watch people unless you've let them know ahead of time or there's a pinhole in the wall. All right, next question. I really want to know what it feels like to have a penis. I'm embarrassed to ask my boyfriend to let me use a strap-on on him. How do I bring this up? Elbow him if he's sitting next to you so he'll know it's your question. <laughs> It's always a really effective. <laughs> Any thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have one, and um, it is... A strap-on uh, or a penis? It's a penis. It's boring. I, for me, I, it's tiny. I'm Irish, and uh, it doesn't... Like, my, my opinion, like, for my penis, I don't know, a lot of guys have something fun to play with. I just have a thing occasionally I just play with while I'm on the Xbox where I'm just, like, one hand's free. And... Uh, <laughs> And now that I'm on antidepressants, it doesn't really work, so that's cool. And uh, but no, it's great. I mean, it's just a thing, you know. I shave it and I take care of it, and uh, it's just like a like a longer labia, like a longer, dumber labia. Rachel, anytime you want to jump in. Just, I'm just having a blast hearing this. Um, yeah, just like 
Just, just screw the embarrassment. Just tell that voice to shut up and just put it on. The That's worst you'll hear is no, and then you didn't get to fuck somebody in the ass. What you're hearing right now is no, and you don't get to fuck him in the ass. Exactly. And you might hear no, and then you won't get to fuck him in the ass. But you might hear yes. Oh, next question. What can I do to encourage my gay male friends to be less gynophobic slash misogynistic? Signed, unity and stuff. Well, I, I think you can be not misogynistic and still a little gynophobic. Is that okay? Because I'm like totally non-misogynistic, totally feminist, totally pro-women's rights, totally anti-rape culture, totally a pro-culture of consent. No. Would but that suddenly turn me? lots of people like comfortable with, with vaginas? But I'm, I'm still a little afraid of vaginas. I don't know if I'll ever get yeah. over it. Oh, get over it. You're Just not alone. Get over and it. Why, and why, why shouldn't I it's be afraid terrifying. of them? They are powerful, they chew up semen, and they spit out humans. It's like every woman has an Audrey II between her legs. So, okay, basically you're intimidated and you're admitting that you have vagina envy. I do. Okay, that's fair. Can I, just, can I, can I put it that, that way? Right. What vaginas have you been near? Because mine, mine have always just been sleepy. They just, I'm dry, leave me alone, watch a movie, watch a movie. I do think, I, I agree, you know, I don't think that gay men are the biggest misogynists out there, really. I think it is shocking when gay men are misogynists, so we tend to notice it more and be more sort of perplexed by it, because homophobia is misogyny's little brother. That people who hate gay men hate women, too. That's why they hate gay men, because they think we're like women and they don't like women. Which is why women shouldn't date homophobic guys, because they don't like you either. Yeah. Also, like... I often think that sometimes we feel like these conversations are easier to have with people that are more on our side, you know? So we sort of attack the people that are, like, more on our level. But, like, honestly, the number of times I've seen straight guys groping women and getting away with it because nobody wants to, like, have that conversation. Whereas we feel, you know, when a gay guy makes a pussy joke, we can have that conversation. That's easier to have. So we're having that conversation more than we're having the conversation about, like, Hey, stop dry humping women on the dance floor. And that like, is probably doing more that damage. Shit out, you know? Next question. I am a 25-year-old female. I started feeling attracted to girls in college and lost all attraction to men for three years. One year ago, I started feeling attracted to men again and lost interest in women. What is going on? I think the operative word there was college. Bingo. Was it a woman's college? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a 40-year-old vegetarian guy living in a small college town looking for an LTR. Sadly, most women my age eat meat. How do vegetarians and meat eaters compromise in LTRs? Any vegetarians up here? No. No, but I think that's... Why would that compromise your... Did, fuck, stop it. Stop... <laughs> Stop, Stop being so precious. Stop enforcing your will on everybody. Stop enforcing your weird not meat beliefs on everybody. I have meat. I don't force you to eat it if you're a vegetarian. You should try this. I don't do that. But, but if you're dating a vegetarian, if you're a vegetarian dating a meat eater and they haven't flossed, something could come loose <laughs> while you're making out. Then you're eating meat too. I mean, it's a technical issue. Yes, that could happen, but... Then I really think they're splitting hairs. I really think they don't like you for you at that point. They're just hoping you don't spit meat in their mouth. It's a whole different 
outside of your relationship you just never touched on before. What is the best way I can correctly support my genderqueer child? I have a hard time telling what days she feels like a girl and what days she feels like a boy. Does asking make me a jerk? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Eh, I mean, I think that, like, treating gender as if, um, like, you as a parent don't care, like, what gender they decide to be is more important than nailing down what gender they have decided upon. I mean, I, I feel like just, just, you know, whatever your kid's into, support what they're into, and... Remove the gender binary from your child rearing. Call your child by its name and let your child decide what it wants to be and love it regardless. Thank you for that. What do you say? Well, all, are you a parent? I'm not. Are I you can't. a parent? Okay, I'm going to talk for a fucking I, second. I like to. Here. I like to. <laughs> As the parent of a teenager, I speak. I, I, I speak directly to you when I say. Kids are looking for things to be fucking pissed off at their parents about. There's actually no correct way to navigate this. You are going to get this wrong by design. <laughs> My advice, avoid pronouns at all times. And, not, and don't inquire. Love your kid, whoever they are that day, without feeling a need to run that to ground, to figure out who they are that day, because you will get it wrong, because they want you to get it wrong, so they can be fucking mad at you about getting it wrong. So focus on the things you get right. Like, I made your favorite breakfast. They can't get wrong. They can't get mad at that because scrambled eggs have no gender anymore. How do we get the swing scene to be more accepting of bi guys? You're very, in, you're very involved in the sex-positive community in San Francisco. This is a thing. Like, a lot of swinging communities, swinging clubs... Bi women, great, actually, welcomed, wanted. Straight guys, straight women, bi guys, no. No, thank you, not welcome. Why is that? I'm not, uh, I mean, I think I know why it is, which is that women are socialized to be sex objects, so their bisexuality tends to be more socially acceptable than men's bisexuality. But um, in terms of this community, how to, <laughs> how to, how to fix it, I... I'm not sure. I think seek out people that are sexually adventurous that aren't like that. There's lots of communities that welcome, you know, partner swapping and group sex and all of the things that swingers do, but don't have this prejudice. So it's a find a better swinging find scene. Find a better swinging scene. But it is a thing, and it's not a thing necessarily that the men are responsible for. It is. It seems to be in a lot of swing scenes, particularly in the Midwest. The Bible Belt. A lot. Yeah, there's what we could do with there's a swingers. Uh, there's a swingers church that just opened in Wyoming, actually, in the middle of the country. They have their swinging church. But in those places, <laughs> that, like women are uncomfortable yeah. with bi men being a part of the swinging scene, and so they are not allowed. I know bi guys who are closeted in the swinging scene and nowhere else in their lives. And it just seems so counterintuitive because you would think the swinging scene would be very open to all sorts of sexualities and expressions. As a side note, I. I've been in the middle of the country a lot, and I have found that if you just subscribe to the, your Grinder app in the middle of the country, you will find the coolest places and find out that no matter where you go, there's always going to be fucking awesome people, no matter where. Like, I did that in Kansas last year. I was like, I'm just going to fucking get on Grinder and see where people are hanging out. And they were like, are you gay? And I'm like, no, but I'm in a car with four other dudes I don't want to talk to. And I want to know where to get a $2 drink and... I just want to have a conversation with a liberal. So, 
and, and most gay guys are liberal because they've had the sense fucked into them. That's yeah. how I like to think <laughs> about right. it. Our friend is in a committed five-year-long relationship. They plan to get married, and they have never had sex. They are not religious. We fear they are getting themselves into a passionless, sexless marriage. We've tried talking to her. What should we do? She acts more like his mother than his girlfriend. I'm pushing back against all your oohs, because my question for your friend and her fiancé would be, are you happy? And if they're happy and sex isn't that important to them, perhaps they're both asexual, perhaps they're both very low libido and they found their matches, and they're going to have a lovely, companionate marriage full of intimacy and companionship and support, and not full of the fucking that you value and prioritize in your relationship, because it matters to you. But you shouldn't project your shit onto other people. I'm like, I'm sex positive, I'm from the sex positive community and world. Part of sex positivity is allowing people that sex is not important to, to have that and not pathologize it. Not everybody is into sex, and they shouldn't be made to feel sick or defective any more than those of us who are really into sex used to be made to feel sick and defective. I am... That's great. I, I've been married for a, uh, nine years now, and we, uh, we're the most sexless people that we've ever met. And we have a great marriage because we're best friends, and we hang out all the time, and we're both just too lazy to have sex because it takes a lot of effort. And a lot of our friends think we're fucked up, and we're like, no, fucking takes a lot of work. And we have a lot of shows DVR'd. So... And our relationship is based on hanging out. I get that you like to fuck like rabbits. That's cool. But we're also... We don't like stairs, and we're... We like things with butter on them, and that's fucking just... Let your flag fly, even if it's not a... Heavy flag, just even let it if, fly. Whatever even if you it's do. a greasy napkin, let yeah, it fly. It's not going to get any altitude. It's just half mass all the time. <laughs> and I support that. I do. There's nothing wrong with it. We love each other. It's, it's different. So Very I have different. not come. Next question. I have not come from a blowjob since I was 17. My question is do I give up on my quest to orgasm in someone's mouth, or do I continue to subject poor women to my failure? It's not a failure. I, That's not a failure. I not think it's the way you worded it. That's, that's, subjecting someone to your failure is not how you succeed at something. I'm just, just spitballing. What you, what you do is you subject your cock to your right hand for a minute or two when you're ready to blow and then just pop it back in. After you've or passed the point of orgasmic like, inevitability. Whatever. What? Or all over her face, whatever. If that's okay with her. Yeah, you check. And some women like that. <laughs> yeah, check first. Do any women that you know like that? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> Is it possible for men to have a larger than normal volume of semen? Frequently after sex, I feel as though my vagina can't handle his load. guys who are like, i got to increase my load, and I'm like, you're doing it wrong. I, That's, you don't need more of that. You just need what you got. A vagina can hold a baby. So, like... A vagina can spit out a baby. Yeah, Patooey so the, the idea world. that it couldn't hold a load of semen is very hard for me to fathom. Unless it's a really tiny vagina. I'll let myself out. Okay. <laughs> 
Advice in terms of disclosure to a third party during an adventurous foray in a monogamous relationship. What do you have to say to a third? If you're in a monogamous relationship, you're going to hook up with somebody else. What must you disclose to that someone else? (laughs) What was that? I think that things go cleanest when you disclose other partners right at the beginning. Like, if it's clear that anything romantic is going on, you know, if you're about to go on a date, a phone call before the date even, just say, just so you know, I have other partners or I have a primary partner. It it just gets that out of the way, and then it's not a nasty surprise later. No one feels misled. I agree. My boyfriend is really into anal. Uh, This is from a, a woman. My boyfriend is really into anal and wants me to try giving him a rim job and fuck him wearing a strap-on, but I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I want, I want to be open, but I'm having a hard time. Advice? So the boyfriend wants his ass eaten and fucked, and you're not sure if you can do that. There was a woman earlier who wanted to wear a strap-on yeah, and fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like arrange a partner swap for the evening. Yeah. Say, lend numbers. her to him. Lend him to her. Like, here you go. Have him back by morning, and here's some depends. <laughs> Not that that happens. Oh, my God, why would I say that? Because I just had, like, another shot of this <laughs> scalding vodka. Did you see? Wasn't I glamorous when I was drinking? No, give it a shot. It's just a butt. It's, not, it's not that big of a deal. You just can get another shot. one. If you, if you don't like it, don't, don't keep doing it. Absolutely. If it's not your thing, don't do it, but... Give it a shot. Try to like it. See what happens. They get really into it, in my experience. Guys gets really into it, and then that makes you into it. So the dick is harder. There's yeah. Just give it a shot. Why not? What about rimming a guy? Um, Make him shower first. But that's good advice. Whatever you like. You're going out to dinner. Make him shower first. A movie. Make him shower first. Just remind them to shower. Your parents. Make him shower first. I'm gonna eat your ass. You have to shower first. Like across the board. Like with the straight guys. Yeah, all of the genitals. It doesn't matter. Just shower first. Just take a little shower. We'll just explore. Like shower first should come before fuck first in the advice pantheon. Shower first. Fuck first. Shower first. Fuck then shower. Sorry. Go ahead. I just think that like that should just be an open communication thing. Where I. I mean. We've had that conversation. Not we as an audience. I mean that we've had that conversation like, well, if that's something you want to do, are you into fair trade? And I was like, yeah. And then we couldn't afford the other part of it, so we just never followed through. But I mean, sometimes you have regrets. That's what I'm saying. Comedy's mostly sadness. Last question, uh, and it's a holiday question. I'm a monogamous girl who is dating and has fallen in love with a polyamorous guy. He also has another girlfriend who is also Polly. How do we handle big events such as spending time for the holidays? Neither one of us is primary to him. We are equals, but don't necessarily want to all hang out together at the same time, say, for instance, on the holidays. You gotta, there's, you gotta figure that out. You gotta... (laughs) (laughs) We don't know what you're bothering us with that about. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta talk it out. Like, I mean... Polyamory is really uncomfortable a lot of the time, but so is monogamy. And it takes, you know, talking to each other and realizing that you might not feel great in the room with someone else. Which happens in monogamous relationships, too. Totally, totally. You know, you just... And then I think you acknowledge that not feeling amazing all the time is actually okay. 
And I would challenge you to think about what would be more awkward and leave you feeling worse, like getting over the hump of hanging out with your partner's other partner or being alone at Christmas, forcing your other partner to make to choose between you because you can't like get past the fact that he has another partner. And I think that kind of camaraderie of being the other boyfriend, the other girlfriend, and getting through that, if you can push through that awkwardness, it evaporates, it goes away. And then what do you have? You have more company at the holidays. Yeah. You have more yeah. people around. And that's and then just transparency, right? I mean, that's just transparency in your relationship if you're polyamorous to say, hey, here's my partner, here's, you know, this is, this is me, we're all together, Let's, uh, we may or may not have Christmas, my family's coming over, uh, I like fucking Daryl, but I don't want to tell everybody that I'm fucking Daryl when his wife is here, so let's just say that for ourselves, you're here for the holidays, you're at... And everyone I know who's poly in one of those relationships where the partners can't be in the same room together ends up being like divorced children being shuttled between parents who can't stand yeah. each other anymore... And that they will end those relationships because it's too stressful. A kid can't end that relationship because they're stuck. But a guy, like a, a person, can end, a relationship, sexual, romantic relationship, you don't want to like incentivize ending it if you like that person. And making their life a living hell and running from one place to the other at the holidays because you can't handle it or they can't handle it or the three of you can't handle it, push through it. Hang out before the fucking... Hang out tomorrow so that it's not an issue on Christmas Eve. Have a second holiday. Have a three-way. Yeah, have a three-way on Thanksgiving, like the day after Thanksgiving. I'm also sorry I picked the name Daryl. I don't know why I did that. If there are Daryls here, I'm not casting aspersions. But... Give it up for Derek Sheen, Thank Rachel you. Lark, our co-advisors so this evening. Here's the thing. I can understand why pervy people, and pervy people are my favorite kind of people, I can understand why pervy people would want to sex up a Christian holiday. Christianity, like Nancy said earlier, Christianity is obsessed with sex. Regulating it, controlling it, punishing people for having it, punishing people for wanting it, punishing people for even thinking about it. Of course we're going to push back against that. But Christmas isn't the only holiday on the Christian calendar. There are other holidays that give you way more to work with than Christmas. Lights up? Like Easter. And at this moment, for those of you listening at home, the lights come up and there is a full-size crucifix on stage. There is a Jesus up there on the crucifix in a leather jockstrap. A couple of Roman soldiers. Again, go check the pictures out at thestranger.com slash lovecastchristmaspics to see what you're missing. Easter has eggs and bunnies, fertility symbols, and it gets better. Easter has sexy Roman soldiers and floggings and a fully grown man with otherworldly inhuman abs hanging on a cross. So perverts, if you want to sex up a Christian holiday, take Easter. Because adult leather Jesus is so much sexier than adult baby Jesus. Take Easter. Sex up Easter. But please, please, leave my Christmas alone. Because Christmas isn't sexy. And we're going to leave it there. 
206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. To record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a call, 206-201-2720. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Rachel Lark on Twitter at RachelLarkMusic. Follow Derek Sheen on Twitter at Derek Sheen. Special thanks tonight to Tracy Cataldo, who produced the live show, and to her assistant, Lauren Kieser. Thanks also to Justin Roberts, Tyler Rush, Fuchsia Fox, Valerie Vales, and Bolt. And a huge thank you to the whole crew here at the Neptune, to everyone at Seattle Theater Group, and of course, to everyone who came out to the live show tonight. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. And me and the tech savvy at risk you and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Thank you all for coming. Have a great Christmas. Yeah.